to Say It Southern. Aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. Today, we are talking with Dr. Tracy Baxley. She's a mother to five, a speaker, a professor, a belonging advocate, cultural coach for moms, and she is sharing a wealth of knowledge with us today. She explains what is social justice parenting and how to parent beyond fear. She explains how we should be using the word privilege. Plus, she gives five parenting tips that you must write down. So get out your pencil and paper and join us now as we say it Southern with Dr. Tracy Baxley. We're so excited to have today Dr. Tracy Baxley, the creator of Social Justice Parenting, Sarah. She is a belonging advocate. She's had TED Talk. She's got five kiddos in Boca Raton, Florida. Oh, nice, nice. (laughs) And we are so happy to have her on. Thank you, Dr. Tracy, for being on with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tracy, can we hear a little bit about your background yeah, yeah. I'm. I listen. I'm a Southern girl too. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I was born and raised in Florida, and uh, I moved to Georgia for a couple years to teach, but came back home. So um, I, like I said, I was um, Boca Raton is kind of where I grew up for the most part. Went away to school and went away to teach, and landed back here. Um, married my fourth grade classmate. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We didn't date or anything in in high school or elementary middle school. We just, um, were ran the same circles because we both play a lot of sports, but, um, we both came back home after college and working a couple years and we just reconnected and yeah, the rest is five, five kids later in this history. (laughs) Five children. Lord. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we got five kids, and my husband is white, so we are a biracial family. Okay. And um, I'm raising, we're raising our kids to know what black looks like in the world, right, in their own skin, because that's how the world sees them. And but we're learning that for them to be able to self-identify and embrace all of who they are. Um, and uh, they are ranged from ages 20 down to 11. So I have one daughter and four boys. And um, what else? I teach at the local university here, and I teach in the College of Education, diversity and inclusion courses and curriculum courses. And um, so then the social justice parenting thing is kind of my baby. You know, it's where my heart is. It's my heart work. Mm. And um, I'm very excited about the movement that we are creating here. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping we're going to talk more about that. Yes, we want to hear all that. We want to jump in because... Like I said, we found your TED Talk, and I've just been enamored with your social media and how your approach to activism as a as a mother and raising your biggest flat platform being your dinner table, basically. Yes. And um, and just we wanna we wanna get into that because we need your help on how to raise our children to be culturally conscious and. You know, just good. Yeah, humans. I mean, I think as a parent, we all want the same thing for our children. We want them to be compassionate. We want them to, you know, feel safe and be kind. Yeah. Yes. And it's just, are we doing enough? I mean, I think that's our fear. Like, what is there's more that we could be doing? You know. Yes. So many yeah, things. Those, yeah. No, that's exactly right. We're all coming from the same place in our hearts 
Um, and it's just a matter of how do we tweak it enough to put put it out in the world that we're raising these kids when they're le- when they've left us. Mm-hmm. That all of that goodness we're trying to put in them is is being channeled in the right way when they become adults and um, really are on their own and making decisions that will impact people around them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So teach us about social justice parenting. What does that look like? What does it even mean, really? Where do we start? Yeah, just, yeah just that's a good go, question. go, Tracy. Yeah, because <laughs> I think people get a little bit afraid when they hear the word social justice or they hear the word activism, right? Right. They picture this kind of maybe militant style or that it's a certain elected group or that this charismatic speaker that this is involved in or um, even, you know, something that may look violent or um, loud and rowdy, but it doesn't have to be that. That's that's one part. Mm-hmm. Those are some people, but we all are activists in our own in our own homes, and that's really where it starts. And so social justice parenting is a way of just kind of being intentional about the way we navigate with our children and what we're pouring into them. And so I really created this as a thing when I started thinking about the way that I'm raising my own children. And and I guess I'm drawing from all my experiences as an educator. I've been an educator for um, over 30 years now. And um, I think the combination of being a mom and being a, a teacher really informs the, the way that I move in the world. And um, I've always had this need for belonging. And I always had the students who did not belong in a group always gravitate to me. Um, so it was just kind of natural for this kind of movement um, to, to form. And so what it basically is, it's a way of parenting beyond fear. So we, we engage in a lot of fear-based parenting because we, we want to keep our kids safe. I mean, um, we want to do whatever it is to make them not have to feel pain, to keep them so that they um, can make the right decisions or people around them are treating them with care. And sometimes we do that in a way that really is at a detriment to our children. Mm-hmm. Because part of growing up, part of seeing other people's perspective, part of being strong enough to be a change agent when they grow up, they, they're going to have to go through a little bit of things when they're home. And I think being there to protect them, to guide them, is a great place to allow them to um, feel these things in a way that it can be constructive and help them to be stronger and independent and being able to have some self-agency when they grow up. So social justice parenting, um, there's like five, it's, it's rooted in radical love. And radical love to me is just this love that is unconditional. It is very inclusive. Um, it, it's, it listens, it feels, it's, it's like your kids are my kids. And what do I need to do to make sure your kids are happy and safe and belong? Um, because I want that from them the same way I want that for my own kids. And so it's rooted in this kind of unconditional, selfless love. And it is built on these five kind of key cornerstones. Um, and it's, I call it the rocks. I love it. Which are, is um, about reflection, right? So it's started, you starting off looking at your own life, your own perspectives, your own childhood experiences, and your own ways of thinking, and how they impact the way that you show up as a parent. So we know there's things in our childhood that we loved. There's things in our childhood that we would like to do differently. So being intentional and making those changes and teaching our kids to do the same. And then the O is for open dialogue. So I know right now where we are in our country, people are really afraid to have those hard conversations with their children. Mm -hmm. And they want to and they need space 
learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the open dialogue is about the importance of having those conversations, even when, they, when they're hard and not being paralyzed about not knowing what to say, because not saying anything really is the most damaging of all. Yeah. So it's about how we have those open dialogues with our kids. And the C is for compassion. So raising kids who feel for other people. Mm. And um, it starts with self-compassion. So how are we doing that for ourselves as moms? And then, yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Yeah. And so what we're doing is really showing our kids how to do that for themselves and how to do it for others. And then the K, I see kindness as like compassion and action. Mm. So how do we take that compassion and do something with it? So that could be Again, about ourselves. How do we show ourselves self-compassion? How are we modeling that for our kids? How are we doing with our kids? And then how are we showing our kids how to do it into the real world? And then the S is for social engagement. So how do we take all that stuff and really kind of pour it out into the world? Um, What does activism look like for your family? Because what's activism for your family may be different for my family. Um, you know, you think about what you're, you're passionate about as a family, maybe it's the environment, maybe it's gender issues, whatever that is, and that you pour some of that love and some of that c- compassion and kindness into that project or that area. And that's a way to start this idea of being an activism. That's important, I think, to remember, because you're so dead on when you say some people's activism may look like, you know, a group or a political aligning or something. And, you know, if I've got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old that I that I want to groom to be, you know, aware, how, how do I do that? That may make me feel uncomfortable. So gentle activism, how, how do we start with gentle activism? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing is to know what your core values are as a family. Okay. What are those things that are the most important to you? Because when you're intentional about, I mean, sit with your partner and say, what do we want our kids to be raised as? Like, let's name three or four things that are like totally important for us to think about when we're raising our kids. And then you need to align your daily practices around those core values. So let's say um, I'm going to like the environment, right? Sustainability in the environment is what is the one of the core things that is important to my family. So then start thinking about what are the small practices that we can do in our home that will align to that bigger picture of sustainability or environmental justice or whatever that is. Yeah. Um, and so it's it could be just like reading books about it, right? talking about how we recycle at home and why that's important. Then talk about um, what your kids feel about that, what they think they could do. So these small little acts are enough to really start making ripples in whatever thing that you're passionate about. So it's not about changing the world by yourself or overnight. It's about instilling these small permanent habits in your children so that when they're adults, they're making bigger decisions that are going to change the world and then they will also have that foundation to to pour, pour into their own children. So it's about being intentional and being mindful of what those big ideas are for you as a family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get your, you know, you if your kids are, what did you say, seven and ten? Six and well, yeah, six and eleven is okay. Where we are? Yeah, they can play a big part in thinking about what those big ideas are. Okay. You know, what are we passionate about as a family? Let's make a list. Let's brainstorm all the things that are important to us. Um, 
and say two of them really kind of stood out that everybody said that. So these are the two things that we're going to do work around. Um, I don't know how I have all the answers. Dad doesn't have all the answers. So we're going to have to do some of this stuff together. Um, and I think being open and honest with your kids about not knowing the answers um, is p- part of the journey, right? Your yeah. kids seeing that you're vulnerable. And I think that's when you were mentioning the open dialogue. I feel like that's kind of what you were saying is that we not only, we don't always have the answers and I think that's okay. You know, cause I yes. think as a parent, when they, when they make a comment or they have a question, your fear is like, am I going to say the wrong, say the wrong thing? thing? Am uh-huh. I going to lead them the wrong way? But it's saying, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And what do you think about that? And having yes. that, that conversation. Yeah. Cause that gives them voice, right. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. say, Hmm, I don't know either. So what, what do you think? Where should we start to learn? Um, it teaches them that, as an adult, they don't have to have the right answer and they can lean on other people, right? So it teaches teaches them to advocate for themselves, but also knowing part of that self-advocacy is about leaning in and getting support where you need it. Um, so yeah, I think having that dialogue and being vulnerable and not and saying, I don't know, is really a part of establishing a core value in your home that we need each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes on, like what you're saying, towards compassion. For sure. That's what, yeah. Because you have compassion for your children and your parents, like not knowing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and just that that everyone's different. Everyone has different feelings and opinions and everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. But modeling that is, you know, is a different side, you know, and I, I, I love what you say about, you know, how moms, we need each other because like, I don't know what it's like to live in the Baxley house and yeah. You, you know, you don't know what it's like to live in the Goolsby house. So, like, what what does that mean to have compassion for? When do you start having those? At what age do you start having those conversations? And and you tell me to like where you want to involve on what, with what's happening in the environment, in politics, in the world. You know, I mean, twenty twenty's been rough. We got plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> we got plenty to talk about. Do we just start, Tracy? I think you just start, you know, I think the the easiest entry point is, is children's literature, right? It's, it's kind of an easy way to put the characters at the heart of it. And it's not about you and it's not about your family and not really about the bigger picture right away. So it's a character who's going through something. And then you could say, I, that reminds me of like, make the connection, of what's going on right now, or when I felt this as a child, or this thing in our family. And so they get to start making those connections, but they get to start it from the perspective of the of the um, setting and the um, characters in the book, so that um, it's not directly impacting them, you know, at first. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to do it. And also, I think like having your antenna up as a mom, those teachable moments that come up that you later look back and say, you know what, that was a great entry point and I didn't take it. Mm-hmm. So I think being more open and mindful to those things and um, not being afraid to jump in. And the thing is, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. But if you don't do anything at all, you don't move the needle. So I said, be in, embrace those mistakes because we all make them. You know, I, I listen, my daughter now who's 20, we've been having the last maybe three years, we've been having a lot of conversations about her childhood which I thought I was doing such a great job, you know, generally. But she talks to me now about, you know, the feelings of um, pressure she always felt 
to be good at everything because we we were blessed enough financially and in situations where we could pour opportunities into our kids, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us are there. We every lesson, every tutoring thing, all the hard classes, all the extra, you know, playing instruments and sports and all that stuff. Which my husband and I are thinking, how great we are, you know, yeah. being they're able so to well-rounded. <laughs> She is going to be so well-rounded. She's going to be the best kid ever. But she's like, that was too, it was too much. I didn't want to always do all those things. And I felt like I had to be good at all of it. And it was so much pressure. And she went through a a period of of depression. And um, so we have to know that we're going to make mistakes. And the more we can get our kids to start talking to us about things and talking about what's going on in the world to make them know it's okay. Um, and that I'm not perfect and I have issues too. The more they're able to deal with that as they grow up and to kind of maybe, um, put it in more perspective. And there's a book that I just read and it's called the, the, it's not the power of privilege. It's the something of privilege. If it comes to me, I'll let you know. But basically the, um, psychologist that wrote the book was saying that, the new at-risk kid are our kids, the mm. kids that are from more affluent households, the kids who have everything, who on the outside, it looks fantastic, but they are not doing well internally, right? They are struggling with trying to do it all, trying to keep up all of the masks that they have on the outside. And those are the kids that she's seeing in her um, office with depression and you know, eating disorders and whatever. So that um, connected with me, especially after having these conversations with my daughter about it being too much. So I think pulling back from the stuff and start having more dialogue and more just kind of intimate time with their kids. Um, and I tell you what, this this pandemic has really helped my family with that. Sure. I realized how overscheduled we were, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. it's been so nice to just pull back and slow down and just reconnect um, and focus on those things, those core values that we have for our kids that are the really most important things. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because it's all about intention. Yes. I mean, it's all about what you do with the time that you're given, you know, and how intentional, like, it's tough being a mom. And it it's is. it's tough to get it all right. But, I mean, I totally see what you're talking about with at-risk children being the privileged kid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it is, it's every one of our children. Yeah. And I have heard that through the pandemic, like, you know, let's, let's not go back to everything, you know? And I think some of the parameters around the social distancing and some of those things are actually pretty healthy because it doesn't allow us to walk back into that trap. That's really just a babysitter for us. You know, I mean, let's be real. Let's peel it back. I agree. Is it a babysitter for us or is this in the best interest of our kids? Yep. And it's a slippery slope. It is a slippery mm-hmm. slope because you want to do the right thing. I know you're gifted at both piano and guitar, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. and he's like, but I just want to play guitar. Right. Exactly. And I'm like, but yes. you're so gifted yes. at piano and juggling. Why don't you start juggling? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While you're playing the guitar. Yeah. yeah. Start juggling guitars. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's really such a cycle, man. I mean, and it's breaking that because we all want to do better than like how we were raised, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, you know, it's meant in in love 
but it comes out sideways. Yeah, yeah. Pressure. And the more we talk about it as moms, the more normalized we make it. Yes. And it's not so taboo to feel that way or to be doing this stuff. And so I think, yeah, I think we need each other. I think we need to be helping each other, talking more. Um, you know, that goes back to that idea of mo- a movement of moms, right? Love I that. just feel like this is a time that mothering is really an act of um, activism. And we have to really start to lean on each other and depend on each other and like whole space for each other's kids. Yeah. Along with your movement of moms, you also have some great parenting tips that you talk about. Can you, can you touch on some of those? Yeah. I call them my five rules, right? These are our five rules in my house that we mm-hmm. have. And my kids know that this is, this is the way we live. So, um, the first one is like you are your brother or your sister's keeper, right? So my kids know that if you're not getting along with your fam- your siblings, don't ask to do something with your friends because mm. we are building a space of belonging in our house. We are trying to teach our kids um, to build this trust, this fostering community. And you, we're all you got, really. When that it comes is down the truth. This is it. Peel it all and, back. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't do this thing right in the house. You can't. You can't spread to other houses until we figure this thing out. Lord, we could stop right there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you hear that we're not. You're not your brother's keeper, but you are in oh, this house. Yes. You are. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. And I think too, as moms, we're each other's keepers too, right? So how do we we figure that thing out? Yeah. Checking in on each other's heart because I mean, the other side of that is not being honest. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. How many times do you say that? (laughs) Every day. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. So true. And then, uh, see, the next one is um, about giving back, right? We always give back. Whether it's to your siblings, whether it's to the world, whatever, you know, it's always like this thinking about others, is building this capacity for compassion and um, recognizing our privilege, right? We're very privileged. We have a lot of stuff. Um, and everybody, everybody doesn't have all the stuff. And right. so how do we use this privilege in a way that um, supports and serves others? So, so let's pull over there for a second because mm-hmm. I feel like that's a buzzword right now and it's a buzz, a buzz topic about understanding our privilege. Even me, right? Yeah, yeah. Me understanding my privilege as a white, female, middle class. You know, how how do we... So that's... I'm educating myself on that right now. Mm-hmm. And we, Sarah and I have had lots of conversations on that. You know, how the world sees us and the opportunities that we're afforded just because of our socioeconomic class and our skin color. Yeah. So let me, let me, this is how I teach that. Yes, please. Um, Yeah. So right now in society, in the media, in politics, the word privilege is really being used as a weapon. Okay. And I'd like to take that away and see how we can use privilege as a tool. Mm. Right. So we are all privileged in some of our identities, right? So we have our race, our ethnicity, our language, our religion, our um, sexual orientation, our gender. Those are all identities that we hold. Yep. And if we look at our own lives, there are some ways in which we are in the dominant, right, based on our cultural norms. And there's ways that we are not. And so what I, I ask people to do who I'm working with is to 
list all your identities and see which ones that you are the dominant about and ones that you are not. And then any way that we are in, in the dominant area, and that's white, that's male, that's Christian, like, right? So that's mm-hmm. being um, heterosexual. How do you use those things to support people who are not? Mm-hmm. So I am a black middle-class woman, right? And being middle-class, I work a lot in areas where there's low socioeconomic because I know I hold privilege in that way. And I want to understand how that privilege can be an ally for those who don't have that privilege. So if we can look at it as a way to not point fingers and feel bad about it or feel guilty about it, but to use it as a tool to really um, push you into action and being an ally. And so um, you have to look at your own space and the ways that you are kind of present in what is considered normed in our culture um, and what you feel comfortable about using your privilege to to support other people. I love that. Mm-hmm. And starting that with children, how do we at, at their ages, Sarah has three girls and their ages are 11, Taylor Mays? Almost 11, 10, okay. almost eight, and a three-year-old. Okay. Yeah. No, I I think you started right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So you know ways in which you, I mean, listen, being a mom of girls too, you really have to start empowering them of what being a girl really means. You have to undo some of the stereotypes of what makes a girl a girl. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really, you you start from there. But I think um, thinking about an area of your identity that you want to work on. Say it's being white. I mean, that's the big thing right now with everything going on with race relations in our in our home. Um, I would start off with my kids talking about, like, again, using books as an entry point. There's a lot of books on differences, like skin color, whatever, hair texture, all those things that are differences. And you can use that just to teach that we're all different, right? That's the entry point. We're all different. We're all beautiful. We're all unique, but we're all the same in some ways. Mm-hmm. And then um, I would then say, did you know that sometimes in our culture that people are treated differently because the this color of their skin is different um, or because of the texture of their hair? You know, you can start off these things to say that this really exists. So I know a lot of people raise their kids thinking that we love everybody, you know, seeing the world that way. But really, when you have this colorblind way of seeing the world it's not teaching your kids the reality of that the world doesn't it's always different. see everybody the same. Yeah. Yeah. So you can start off with little things just saying, did you know that people may see, and if you have like a, a your friend has a black friend, did you know that the world may look at Molly and see Molly as somebody different from you and who has less um, things than you, you know, so you can start off with small language that they understand because kids understand right and wrong. They understand belonging and not belonging. Um, and so using vocabulary that, that they would understand, um, and then using resources to talk a little bit more about it or using that vulnerability. I don't understand it all either. I'm learning, let's learn it together. Um, and then using that as a platform to start building. But I, I use often, you know, privilege in terms of, of socioeconomic in my house. Um, and um, we really talk about 
the way you live is not norm. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, you have a real pretty cool life here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be happy about that, but I think it means that we need to be helping those people who don't have that same background or that same life economically. Yeah. Um, and so we build that into kind of who we are as a family. I love that mm-hmm. so much. Um, okay. Your third one that you talked about, we've yeah. brother's keeper, always giving back. And yeah. Owning. On, on your, on your own junk. <laughs> listen, <Yeah. laughs> listen, that is, I, I need a lesson in this right here. <laughs> because you know how your kids always want to come and tattletale on what somebody else did to them. Mm-hmm. Um, always the victim. Mm-hmm. Always the victim. Uh, yes. 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 So I don't, I, I, I don't listen to that until they have to own their part in it. Even if somebody else is responsible who started it, I always say, own your own junk first. You know, unpack what you did before mm-hmm. you just tell me what somebody else did. Sometimes in them owning their own junk, they will walk away and it's like, okay. I know. Yeah. There's no point. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's teaching them responsibility. It teaches them seeing perspectives. It teaches them ownership. Um and so it's it's like a common um, a common phrase in our house before they can start. Even even when they're telling me about a teacher, you know, they want to tell me something that the teacher didn't do or didn't listen to them or what they, you know. And I'm like, okay, wait, on your junk first. Tell me your your part in this, mm-hmm. and then we will we'll go backwards, and then we'll start figuring it out. You know, where it started, who's really at fault, or where the fault lies. You know, somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I need them to see it from somebody else's perspective before they can tell me their perspective. Ooh, that's good. That's real good. It's so good. It's all good. And I have a few adults that I could just run through these tips, too. Yeah, I was going to say, this is not just children we're talking about here. It's true. It's very good. I mean, especially the own-your-own-junk stuff. Uh I mean, gosh, that would save so many friendships. (laughs) It's true. It's very true. And therapy bills. Adults are probably the worst at it. uh, Oh, adults are totally the worst. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what's next? Okay, the next one is the platinum rule. So we all teach our kids about the golden rule, treating people the way you want to be treated. But really, the platinum rule is really treating people the way they want to be treated. I love this. So we're making assumptions that the way we feel about a situation is what somebody else feels. But we all have different um, lived experiences, different ways of communicating. And so if if you're sad and I am going to come and hug you because I'm a hugger, but you are not a hugger, then treating you the way I want to be treated isn't good for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead and so, say it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Courtney's the hugger. I'm not. <laughs> Don't hug me. So you I want know all you the have hugs. to find the way. Yeah, yeah. So this is about you know getting to know people, building personal connections, and really being actively listening to what people want and how they feel, and um, you know it builds empathy and it models um, you know a way to communicate in ways that make other people comfortable. Yeah. So my, my, my oldest son is not a hugger either. And I always say, before I hug him, like, can I hug you? Can I touch you? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's about treating people the way they want to be treated. And, you know, just in, in, in the world, we don't know that until we do some education around that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your culture, what your group, what your um, – you know, your home, what you want. So that's upon me to do some work to figure that out. And I think if we all are trying to figure out each other, you know, it can make the world a better place to live, you know, Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. 
And then the last rule I say to my kids, like when they're leaving the house, as they're going to school, I'll say, give joy, give joy. So that's basically, you know, you be a light for somebody and then you be an open vessel to be a light for somebody else. Mm. So, you know, this is, and you, you mentioned this earlier, you're saying that, um, as moms, we always are like, okay, I got it or whatever, you know, but when you say I got it or I could handle it or I don't need help, you are bossing, blocking somebody else's blessing who really wanted to help you. Yeah. So, um, you know, give joy, you know, be the person to help and then um, get joy, be open to being the person that is on the receiving end of that so that you can be somebody, somebody else's light and shine too. I need to print these and like put them in a place that we can, like, honestly, that my kids can see them and understand. These are such great things. All of it is so great. Thank you. I, I keep saying I'm going to put it on, a get somebody who paints to put it on a big, um, you know, plaque or big something to put it up right in the middle of our family room. I keep, every year I say, I'm going to get these, I'm going to get this printed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have several courses that we can take. Where do we go to find those courses? And tell us a little bit about all the courses and what you have to offer. It's on my Instagram. There's a link on my Instagram and on my website. But um, the one that uh, we started the summer with everything going on was um, it's basically how to be an ally, how to talk to your kids about race and racism. And so that's the one that's really kind of been a hot topic lately. Um, And then I'm in the middle of creating a really comprehensive course um, for transracial families. Mm -hmm. So these are primarily white families who have adopted or foster black and biracial children. And they don't know, they want to preserve their birth heritage and, you know, they want to make sure they're doing it right. So I'm doing a really, um, which I'm really proud of how it's coming out because I have some transracial adoptees interviewing them on what their experiences were and what their parents did right and not so right. Mm. Um, And also some moms who are already parents of black children, white moms, and, um, you know, what they've learned in their journey so far. So that course is going to be coming out in September. And then the big thing is my book. Girl! I know, I'm so excited about it. So I'm writing that now, um, and it's supposed to pre-sale. We're going to try to do pre-sale by the end of the year, and then it will be on the shelves um, next fall. So, yeah. Now, what is what's the book primarily about? It's social distancing, all the things. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So I'm going over all all these, the rocks in detail, giving a lot of examples and um, stories from my life and ways that you can implement them in your life. We're talking about um, like what belonging looks like in your home. I'm talking about the five rules are in there in detail. Um, And I give you like ways that you can start creating your own core values in your home what you can do with that. I have a chapter on anti-racism, a chapter on um, a a list of like children's literature books around the rocks Mm -hmm. and how you can use those in your home. So it's kind of like all the things that I'm doing into one place with more details and more examples, more stories from my parenting, both good and bad, um, and um, how we really kind of create this movement of moms. Um, And dads are great too. Oh, those dads. Yeah. yeah, we better give them. Let's yeah. go ahead and give, give them a plug. We've got 6% yeah. male listener out there. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, mine and Sarah's husband are the only yeah. dads that listen. So anyway. Yeah, there's something about moms, though. You know, as, as the primary nurturers and the 
I mean, you think about a lot of these mom movements like MAD, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a movement that, um, you know, it was a movement that really started taking guns off off, off of the streets. Oh, so uh-huh. it was just the moms yeah. who were tired of, of people dying, mm-hmm. you know, kids dying. Um, and so it's, if you look at a lot of these movements, they are just a group of moms who had enough and wanted to change things for their families. Yeah. So I think... Um, we can start that kind of mom rising, mom rising, I think it's called, and mom, mom's the man action. Those are two that were started by mom groups who are really focusing on issues that are going on in the communities around them and wanting to make a change. So, I mean, I'm hoping social justice parenting becomes a movement so that we start to learn about each other and grow together and raise children who will do things differently when they're of age. It's just incredible. Yeah. Well, Dr. Tracy, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I feel like I've got so much knowledge now I know. <laughs> from and you. Yes, we just we need a course in social justice yeah. parenting. Yeah, we do. We're so glad we found you and that you could just help us today. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me. I, I enjoyed you guys. A Southern girls got to stick together. That's, That's right. right. That's <laughs> right. We need it. We need a round two after this. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. <sighs> Call me back on after the book comes out. We'll yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. Okay. When I found Tracy Baxley online, I just knew that this was something that we had to cover. Mm-hmm. There's so much. So much information here. I mean, and not only that, but like, there's so much that we need and like, so much that I need to do in my home. You know what I mean? Yeah. How easy is it to (laughs) phone in parenting? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Like to just let all this slide and like, because I mean, this is the work. Yeah. This is the intentional. Well, I was going to say the easy thing would be to keep them home and tell them everything's okay. Sure. And, you know, they are safe and they are loved and they're going to be, you know, educated and everything's roses. Right. But I mean, that's just not, that's not reality. That's not, yeah. It's not reality. And, and I think that's our problem is that that's what we think we should be doing almost. Like yeah. we think by protecting them and by sheltering them, we're doing them a justice. Right. Really, we're not. We're not. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. I mean, just listen to her talking about her daughter, her 20-year-old daughter that's like, that was a ton of pressure. I was like, oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And and it, like I said, I mean, I think that we, it's all good intentions. It is, yeah. And children are, are pleasers. They want to please their parents. I know. But it's like if we really got down to it and, you know, I think there's a fine line between going, okay, do you not want to do that because you don't like it or you're not interested or you don't feel like you're gifted or do you just want to play Fortnite all day? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which, I mean, any kid's I mean, going to do honestly, that. Honestly, part of that's okay. I think oh, I we too. don't allow our children to have much downtime. I know. Or we didn't before this whole pandemic. I think yes. that's kind of been the blessing of that is that now we are slowing down. We are home more. And they have had time in the neighborhood to run around and play. Sure. Which they didn't have that before. Yeah. My girls didn't. We were like on the go every day. Yeah. Graham's a homebody. He and loves to be at home. And raised too. And he, I mean, to the point that he will be like, what if we got tomorrow? What do we have the next day? I just want to be at home. I yeah, mean, yeah. he is where Dean's my goer and doer mm-hmm. and he likes all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, that has given us that opportunity to stay home. And I just do think there's so much value in not adding it all back. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I will say I'm guilty of it. I feel like I'm already rushing around. Do you? Mm-hmm. I do. Is it just the rigor of like, because our school's back. I know not everybody has that same opportunity, mm-hmm. but our school has been back in today's day two. Yeah. And do you feel like like the pressure of a schedule again? I do. 
Yeah. It's like race, racing in the mornings to get out of the house. Do we have everything that we're going to need for the afternoon? Now, I will say, I feel like I've been good about keeping everything, and maybe it's just the way it's fallen, is going to be on Tuesday and Thursday. And I'm trying to keep That's it that good. way. That's good. Good. So that these two days, yes, in the afternoon, I will run around till 7 o'clock at night. Right. I will pick them up and we will go But that's our long day. Yes, I will go to work. We're going to eat in the work. car. Yep. Those are going to be the days. <laughs> and then we got Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then the weekend yeah. to downtime. Downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important. Something else that I loved what she was talking about was the open dialogue. Because I feel like I, I want that in my family, and I think we do, and I think I am providing that for my girls. But then when she starts talking, I'm like, am I really? Am yeah. I really listening to them? Or am I cutting them off and giving them what I think is the right answer? Yeah. Probably that. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to say it's that. <laughs> because, I mean, thinking and feeling are two totally different things, but mm-hmm. they've got to work together. Yes. You know? Yes. I mean, it's important to feel your feelings and to let our kids feel our feel their feelings. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she was talking about, she made a comment about um, the differences of doing the, the books about girls' hair. When yeah, she brought that that's up. a great place to start. And I immediately thought of my daughter, Millie, because mm-hmm. one of her friends, she's a little black girl, mm-hmm. and she they together talk and ask questions and say things to one another that I'm like, why don't we as adults just say that? I know. Like Millie will say, why is your hair like that? Mm-hmm. I want my hair. Why can't you put braids like that in my hair? Mm-hmm. And she's not afraid to say that's to the mother either. Right. You know, and the mother's just like, well, because you're different. Yeah. Your hair's soft. And then the other daughter's saying, well, I want my hair smooth and straight like that. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and why can't my hair? And she just wants to rub on Millie's hair. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's just, and they're so open about that. But then as adults, we become fearful that don't say that, that could offend them mm-hmm. because that's, you know, they're different or, you know, but instead of saying like, oh yeah, her hair's different. Isn't it beautiful? Right. You know, or do you wish, yeah, I know you want hair like that. When Think about the other daughter, you know, she wants hair like you have. Right. We're yeah. all beautiful. We're yeah. all different and yeah. we're all beautiful. Yeah. But instead, I think we are kind of saying, oh, Millie, or, don't say that. Right. You know, quit asking these kind of things to them. Like, I know. Oh. When the thing is, is that's what Tracy said, just say it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like just have the open dialogue. There's nothing off the table. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, though, I mean, think about the adults that we're creating in our home. Right. I mean, we all have those friends that feel like... I mean, talk about the parenting tips. So I said, I need to run a few adults through these mm-hmm. who can't own their junk or don't say enough. And like, we're having to deal with these people as adults. Yeah. Like yeah. That's who we're raising. So it's just important to create a space where they can really say what they feel and what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. I feel like your girls have no problem saying what they're thinking. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Grant really doesn't need, well, neither of my kids do. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think too, like, with me, we are pretty open. I've got friends of all race. I've got, yeah. I've got uh, friends that are gay. Yeah. Um, that's been something that we've really fa- been faced with with Taylor May. Yeah. Heterosexuality, homosexuality, you mm-hmm. know, um, explaining things to her because she's got a lot of questions because she loves makeup tutorials. Uh-huh. And most of the makeup tutorials oh. are gay men. Uh-huh. And she loves them. Uh, that Charles guy, <laughs> you know, like, good Lord. I don't know Charles. No. See, we don't watch this. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Well, he's got his home, like, shoe line. We're watching all kinds of stuff. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. But her questions are like, well, he's he's gay, you know, Mom. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, yeah, that's, and you want it to be okay. Like, yeah, yeah he is, he is. Right. And she's like, well, um, you know he likes men. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Yes, I did know that. I was aware of that. I could tell. You know, just 
So, but I want them to be comfortable and think it's okay and not be like, well, I can't watch him anymore because he's gay Mm -hmm. or he's different and I'm not that way. Right. Or maybe she is, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I want her to be okay with that. I feel like she's not. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like she's not. (laughs) You never know. Just a strong hunch. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) But it's so much. It's not just, you know, we just, I don't know. It's just recognizing. Yeah. Yeah. It's recognizing the differences in people. Yeah. And I mean, whether that is gay, straight, male, female, um, middle class, lower class, apartment living, mm-hmm. neighborhood living. I mean, it it is just the myriad of differences. If we can understand them, we won't ever understand them. But right. if we can try and if we can talk and if we can realize that not everybody lives the way that we do, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is one huge step in this whole thing. And I love what she says about activism starts at your dinner table. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, I like what she said too about the rocks, the first one, the reflection. Yes. Because we are reflections of our parents. And, you know, I think that's where we have to start, really. And like, how are you, what are you reflecting onto your own children? Mm -hmm. You know, start with yourself. Because I mentioned this in another podcast about uh, when I went to college. And all all I could think about was the girl with the hairy armpits. You know, oh, and yeah, my mom was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. all you got for me." Like, <laughs> I have clearly done you an injustice by like not allowing you to go to Lilith Fair <laughs> or you know go do these things. Right, clearly. Yeah. So, but you know, saying that, like, I want my children to experience things, travel things, you know, and be a part of, of different cultures and different religions and yeah. everything. Well, you know, it's it's kind of like what Jen Hatmaker talked about in her book, too, Spiritual Curiosity. For whatever reason, we, we have been kind of trained, thought, that we cannot question what we're not a part of. Mm-hmm. We cannot question what we don't believe, what we don't subscribe to, but you can. Yeah. And it's important that you do so you can better understand somebody else. I love what she said about using your privilege as an ally. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said in the interview, too, when we hear the word privilege, it's almost a bad thing now. It's the weapon. It, because it is. It feels like, well, I'm I'm white. Yeah. I'm female, middle class. Like, I, I don't even tell anybody that. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my. Yeah. But it's, it's using what you've been given to recognize that not everybody is mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Not everybody checks all those boxes. Right. And so when you can advocate or you become an ally to those people groups, all of a sudden you're given power where you once felt guilt. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Have you ever felt guilty before this this movement that's been going on this summer about being white, about being middle class? Um, I don't know if guilt's the right word. I, I have... I have definitely recognized that, yes. Mm-hmm. I was raised in Savannah, Tennessee, where the demographic is pretty, I mean, it's pretty much all the same. I mean, there were races in every neighborhood in town, mm-hmm. you know? But I think it's important that we talk about, you know, not everybody, like the whole colorblind thing. Mm-hmm. How like, oh, I don't see color, I don't see color. It's important to see color. Yeah. You know, I mean, my kids have been raised by Merle. Yeah. You know, I mean, Merle is a black lady that has been coming to my house since Dean was a child. Mm -hmm. Now, in the last year, it's almost like, well, Merle's brown. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? And Mm -hmm. just started having those conversations. And so it's important for my kids to understand that she may not have an opportunity because of 
of what how the world sees her. Does mm-hmm. that you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think it's all about recognizing that. Mm-hmm. And talking about it. Yeah. And being open about it. Yeah. Because then, like she's saying with the rocks, it, once you're open about it, then that leads to the compassion, the kindness, putting that into action, and then your social engagement. Yeah. It's the whole... the whole. Well, that's where it all comes together. Mm-hmm. And you may not be the one that's storming up to the courthouse, you know? And you and don't it, have to be. But if you are, that's okay, too. Yeah. You know? I mean, every activism looks different. On everybody. Yeah. And, and that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Why do we feel like we have to be protesting or not protesting? Or not. You yes. know, it's just like... Again, the movement of moms. Yes. Do, do what's do right you. for you. <laughs> Show compassion to other mothers. Exactly. <laughs> and everyone. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we need to have her back on like six times to even <laughs> cover all that we need to. Of course. It's just unbelievable. Well, we will have her back on when she has her book come out. Oh, that's right. That'd I'm so excited. Exciting. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you guys for um, tuning in today. As always, we just want to create a community to help support each other and provide resources like Tracy because we're all in it together. We're better together. Better together. Better together. Thanks for listening.